Welcome back to every series three, episode seven of the Formula Thank One. You. Series two, episode seven of the Formula One podcast. Katie, take it away. I'm putting you in charge this week. It never goes right when I'm in charge. So this week, um, we're going to review Miami. Um, it's the first time we've also raced in Miami. I've also got a special guest on this week. We've got Hannah from the Pretty Girl F1 Club. Hey, everyone. So this week we're going to introduce Hannah and then we will go in and review review Miami and give our thoughts on it. Are we ready to go, girls? think so. So, Hannah, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Uh, what do you want to know? So I've got here, we've got, we've come prepared with interview questions. So first question is, how did the Pretty Girl F1 Club come about? Honestly, I, it started back in October, if I'm correct. Uh, I could be a little off. Um, As our founder, Bethany, she kind of made a TikTok and she was like, if there, if I was to make a Discord server or a group chat on Instagram for women who are into motorsports, would you join? And it blew up. Um, It kind of just spiraled from there um she originally made um instagram group chats it got to the point where the group chats became super full and she probably still has like a couple of them um that are still active i don't really know i was never a part of them um there were whatsapp whatsapp groups and then we all moved to discord um in october and it kind of just grew from there we're now a club of 1400 plus people um the discord is 1400 plus people and still growing and um now we are not only watching f1 we have people who are avid watchers of indycar nascar formula e um literally everything all the feeder series (laughs) so that's how lydia and i met we met through one of the original whatsapp group messages that then yeah to the UK one and then it's eventually got into our own little our own little group so um thanks to to well I'm so glad that it you know came became something like this and it seems to have just blew up and it's everybody seems to be quite a tight-knit community even when you go back into the original group chats everybody still seems to chat away and yeah, we're we're kind of I'm not going to use the word family because there are obviously some people who aren't, you know, we don't know as well. It's 1400 people. It's a lot of people. But, you know, the people that are there a lot. Honestly, I might be closer with some of them than I am with my real life friends, which is sad to say, <laughs> but it's really true because we once you find something in common with somebody, you bond over it really, really hard. And I'm sure we can agree, and I'm sure everybody that's in our little chat, they can agree exactly with, with what you've said. And obviously all thanks to one TikTok, and we've made some friends for life. Exactly. So because the, the Pretty Girl F1 Club is obviously females, um, female F1 fans um, coming together, because obviously there's quite a lot of stigma with F1 uh, female F1 fans, what do you feel could be done in the F1 community to include females, whether it's 
teams, whether it's the F1 company themselves or just generally? So that's actually a really good question. I've thought about it a lot as somebody who wants to become a part of the paddock, potentially. Um, The first thing I could do is just STEM programs. Um, The, you know, just bringing more girls into the sport, introducing them to the sport from a engineering perspective, if they are into that, if they're not, you know, giving more opportunities just in the paddock, Um, even even the W series is a great opportunity for a lot of women and is bringing more women to the sport. It's bringing more women um, and interest to the sport. Um, But it's almost not enough because that's one series and it's difficult to watch in some places. For me, I can barely watch it because sometimes the YouTube doesn't work. I don't really have, like I have Twitch, but I don't use it, you know, and I kind of have to chase down how to watch it. Um, what they could do again is hire more women into the, into the teams, um, fund more programs for girls to get into motorsports. Um, it's just little things that, you know, you could gradually do to like build up. And I know that a lot of people go to put women in the driver's seat. I'm gonna agree with F1 Tony on this one and say maybe not just one. You don't want the first woman to be alone. Yep. So maybe, you know, do two at a time or three, but you don't want them to shoulder that pressure on their own. So maybe having, putting a woman in the driver's seat just yet isn't totally the move they want to make because it is a big change. Yep. Um, But that being said, it's not something that I don't see far, like being so far in the future. So coming off of your answer there, I've got two further questions for you. I'll start with just because um, mentioning putting in two female drivers, three female drivers, because it's putting a lot of pressure on one female. Mm-hmm. Do you think as an F1 community, as a motorsport community, we're maybe putting too much pressure on someone like Jamie Chadwick to get her seat? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, for me, um, obviously, I don't know that pressure. You know, I'm not her. I'm not, you know, I've never been in any of the shoes of those women. And, you know, I admire them for, you know, what they do on a weekly basis. However, it should not be put up to Jamie by herself. Yes. Does she deserve a seat? Absolutely. A hundred percent. However, however she shouldn't there's more to it than racing unfortunately there's the press and the public and now there's social media and if you put her on that pedestal on her own she's going to shoulder all that pressure and it's not going to be good for her mental health obviously I don't know her personally but as an athlete myself if I was to be put under that pressure on my own that would suck. Yeah. So if she was to come up with, say, um, just off the top of my head, Jessica Hawkins, that's the ambassador for Aston yeah. Martin, or um, Emma Kimmelainen, someone. Totally. Any of, like, if any of them moved up together, even if they weren't in the same team. They would have that support network. Yeah. And they would have each other. And that, you know, that's part of it. I think to kind not to compare it, but kind of to compare it, 
Max and Charles, even though they didn't move up in the same year, they've known each other for years, right? It's that, and and even if they weren't friends back then, they seem to be friends now. They seem to get along now, right? And they have that, you know, they're the same age. They're literally two weeks apart. So they have that same, you know, developmental um, pace, I guess is the right word. So they can lean on each other for that and they can take the pressure and they can talk about it. They're, they're all friends. Yeah. Every single person on that, on that grid is friends, whether it looks like it or not, whether they have, they have beef at the moment or not. In the end of the day, they're friends because they've been racing each other for years and years and years. If the girls were to move up together, they'd have each other to lean on just like they do. Yeah. And so it'd be like the three, the three British boys. So George, Lando and mm-hmm. sort of had each other. Alex obviously wasn't there last year, but he's, he's back. Right. But yeah. he was still there. He was still there. He was there helping UK and he was still in the paddock. So the three of them have got each other. Max and Charles have got each other. Mick and right. Seth have got each other sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that broke my heart. We'll get there later. <laughs> You also mentioned STEM programs. So the teams that are based in the UK, so Red Bull, Alpine, right. McLaren, they usually do um, graduate programs for people that have just left uni. Um, I'm not sure. So yeah, that. we do we do have those as well. Yeah. When I say STEM, I mean it stands for um, science, technology, engineering, and math. Yep. And those are base the basic like, and it starts from like a really young age. So, obviously, the, we offer um, these graduate programs. Do you think that these teams and possibly, as I said, F one the company could be offering outreach programs starting at a young age, a bit more widespread? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know that they've been kind of. Uh, doing the like the school programs like the f1 in schools program but I feel like that's too old almost Mm -hmm. like start younger I don't know yeah Lydia I put my hand up because it's three of us I can't just put in like an older at this case I know with where I live is like a really low social economic area and they start like f1 in schools quite young I think we started ours when we were like 10 11 ish maybe and then I went to uni with a load of engineers I'm not an engineer uh just just in case you want to know I'm not an engineer and they did like f1 university level but then also they have that on their CV and still didn't get placements with f1 teams so I think part of it is there's not enough placements either and I don't think there's enough apprenticeships and especially where all the UK bases are you have to have money to be able to go st- like go take the internships down there that are very poorly paid really or the placement years or the graduate schemes aren't amazingly paid I also think that's part of the issue especially surrounding like the, uh, and with the girls in it it's not like um I was at an engineering firm for a job the other day and they were saying they just can't get female engineers because the girls are put off it at such a young age and don't really know how to get into it. I think that's, if everyone want more females in like that side of it, they really need to work on that because I don't think it's that welcoming. Like I, there's not, 
there is some female engineers that I know of, but not many in F1 at the moment. No, there's definitely not enough. And I know that as um, uh, someone who grew up with engineers in their family, um, that it's a very, very, even, even not in like, even in like technology, just computer science and engineering that way. For example, my mom, she's an engineer um, for telecommunications. There are two women on her team of 15. The rest are men. It's a very, very, you know, small percentage, but I feel like as we, you know, progress further, um, we're going to get more women. I know a lot more women who are getting into engineering now. Um, is it enough to make it 50-50? Probably not. Um, but it's progress. And that's all we can ask for at this point. Um, with the in-schools thing, I would say like 10, 11 is probably the right age to start doing it because that that's probably when you're going to start understanding it, the, like the concepts, right? Um, I remember making a hydrogen powered car when I was in fifth grade, which would be year six, I guess, for you guys, um, age 10, 11. Um, and we were just given like a wood block and we had to design it and like color it and like do all this other stuff. And then we were given like a canister to like shoot it down the track with. It was really simple, but it was part of it. Um, just like little things I feel like that would help us get into like the young like the younger ages especially if you get to color a car it's the little things that'll make kids like get into it do you have anything to add Lydia no I'm just thinking about if we could make carting more accessible but I don't <laughs> but that's carting is so expensive so yeah. expensive and think- that's like I think that's part of it too is like it's so expensive it's one of the expensive sports and um like when I was younger um my family was really into motorsports and you know karting was always something that I was like thinking about but I was already you know riding horses so it was an either or it wasn't a you can do both sort of thing so you know it's the same cost I hate to say it it's so expensive and it's the sport itself formula one and you know all the sports that lead up to it are just so not inaccessible but inaccessible yeah I think obviously you start with your cart and and it's not just you going cart and you have to have a cart you have to be able to fix your cart it's the traveling to the races it's it's all these things and you look at someone like Esteban Ocon whose family sold her house and lived in a caravan to provide that for him and there's other drivers on the track who have just had it handed to them yep (laughs) Um, a couple is. names come to mind but I'm not going to say anything <laughs> I mean I live near there's a a race sit, like set up in the UK called Janetta Juniors which is like car racing rally car racing and Lando Norris raced it and the factory is like down the road from me and their cars start from like a quarter of a million pounds ish for like a yeah. basic one like I don't have that lying around like no one in my town will have that lying around but but people do and it just throws me I mean good for them if you can afford to right that like good for you but like I just think maybe there should be more like not 
like bursaries or competitions to like well, there should be more scholarships yeah that's it is what it is the thing with carding is it's not as far as I know because I obviously I never took up carding there aren't individual teams you are on your own so you have to finance everything if there were teams I feel like that would take some of the pressure off of the family to provide the you know the cart the you know as it is Lando does have Ellen carting there is a team but I don't know how accessible it is that's something we could look into actually yeah we had it but it's not something I've personally ever looked at it might be something to look at. I mean, because if he is starting teams and maybe he is paying for the carts, that's making it more accessible. Maybe that's something that other drivers are going to follow. I hope they do, if that's the case, because that's going to make it so much more accessible for young drivers that really, really are passionate about it but can't afford it. And whether it starts in maybe, say, Lando's hometown and then it filters it's yeah. the George Russell, he, maybe he could start one in his hometown and then again filters its way out that's a way exactly yeah get to lower income families and then they can make their way their way up Mm. i have to say katie do you have another question yeah i've got a couple more questions so f1 is obviously it's a big thing here in the uk and now we're coming up to three races in the US as of next year, we're adding Vegas in next year. Do you think F1 is now starting to make the waves in the US or do you think it's still a little bit under the radar? So that's a great question. And I've honestly kind of been noticing it myself. It really, I think it's starting to make waves only because if you look at the guest list for Miami, There were so many creators, so many A-list celebrities. Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds were there. Sean Mendes was there with his entire crew. Um, Like so many different people that you may not see at a race or may have not known to go to a race before were there. And I don't think they would have been invited if it wasn't, if A, it wasn't an inaugural GP and B, they weren't trying to make it an ingrained part of American culture. So they are trying. And I saw something the other day, I don't remember if I heard it somewhere or if I read it, to be honest with you, um, that the difference between the Miami GP and the Austin GP is that the Austin GP is a Formula One event that just happens to be in the US. The Miami GP is a massive American sporting event that happens to be Formula One. Yeah. Okay. So the Miami GP was treated like the Super Bowl. It was multiple days of festivities. It mm-hmm. was, you know, every a uh, list of who's who, you know, lining the paddock. Um, and then Austin, well, we'll see what it's like this year. But last year, it was kind of the most famous person there was Serena Williams and her sister Venus and Megan the Stallion and that whole debacle with Martin, which I still absolutely cannot stand the fact that her posse was on the grid. But that's me. Um, with the Vegas GP, I think it will make place because that is the biggest party city we have. 
personally, I really want to go just because I think it would be really fun. Um, and I still have never been to a GP myself, which is a crime in my book for how long I've been watching. Um, <laughs> um, but that being said, yes and no, I think Netflix does have a lot of power here. So Netflix yep. is definitely, you know, give credit where credit is due. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people don't know that it's a real sport because of the way Netflix portrays it. I will tell you the other day, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I had somebody walk up to me um, while I was at work and I was talking to a customer about Formula One who was really, really into it. And this guy comes up to us and goes, oh, are you talking about that reality TV show? Those characters are so cool. And I just had to sit there and smile and go, yeah. Mm-hmm. I talk to them. We, on our TikTok, we have prodded fun at that, but people thinking it is a reality TV show. And I made that one TikTok that didn't make any sense, but um, yeah. We, we over, I've seen it here as well, actually, where Formula One is an established sport, but some people do just think that Drive to Survive is just a reality TV show. The thing, I think the difference, did I cut you off, Lydia? I'm so sorry. No, it's all right. You go. Um, I think the difference is that here, and correct me if I'm wrong, here, Formula One is competing with NASCAR and IndyCar to become the biggest sport. Yeah. In the UK, that isn't really a thing. Formula the one is king, right? Yeah. It always has been king. It always will be king. Formula one isn't king here. NASCAR and IndyCar are, and even that's a stretch for IndyCar. Yeah. NASCAR will be king. I live in North Carolina. North Carolina is NASCAR country. Haas is here. Hendrix is here. Um, literally every single NASCAR team lives here. Yeah. Okay. So I can see, you know, the other day I was driving to work. I saw a Hendrix trailer just coming, returning from a race. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it's competing here. And I think that's the difference. Yep. Yeah. Try, just trying to make its way in. So what you were saying about obviously all these people being invited to the Miami GP and obviously Sean Mendes and whoever else was there brings me to my next question what are your views on these influencers and celebrities being invited to these things just sort of this is gonna be controversial I don't like it I don't like it at all and the reason I don't like it is that some of these people have no idea what the sport is mm-hmm. and then you have the grid walk with Martin which I normally really like, but the American ones just make me so uncomfortable. The American ones just absolutely make me so uncomfortable. And I don't know, I, maybe it's because half these people obviously don't know what they're talking about. They're here and, you know, Pharrell was obviously high or drunk, obviously. <laughs> um, and it just, for me, yes, I understand why they do it. Each team has 80 passes to hand out that are not team members. Okay, so there were eight, and every single one of those team, those passes got handed out this weekend. So there were 800 guests of teams. Ooh, that's a lot of people. In that tiny paddock. 
and there were some people going from team to team. Mm-hmm. Those probably were members of the FIA team, but they didn't. I don't know if they had eighty passes. They may have. I'm not really sure. Um, the interesting thing about the Paddock Club is that for the Miami GP, they outsourced who catered and ran the place. So there was it was not run like a normal like the normal event planners did not run it, did not plan it. They did locally sourced because they wanted to do local. They wanted to help the community, right? And sponsors and a lot of normal guests were really, really upset with it. They either said, they either voiced their opinion of saying, hey, I don't like this. It was poorly run. Um, Or, you know, they pulled their sponsor completely from what I've been told. Um, Which is a big deal. A very big deal. Um, so Miami was a lot different. I don't want to gauge the Paddock Club and them inviting guests off of Miami because obviously they were doing a big, big thing with, you know, it being the inaugural GP and it being the first time we were back in Florida since 1959. Um, just the whole thing was just not planned properly or done well. And a lot of people were upset about it. Um, With the influencers, if the influencer knows something about Formula One and they, you know, like F1 Tony, loved that she was there, loved it, you know. Um, But if it's like an influencer that's known for dancing on TikTok, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand that they have a huge following and I respect their following and I may respect what they do. But if you have no business being at a sporting event, admit it and decline it's not a photo op these are dangerous machines yep and that's my big thing about the grid walk too is these machines like these cars are literally so so like volatile at any time depending on the you know the car it could be you know something could happen they could get hurt if they don't know what's going on they're in the wrong place at the wrong time you know yeah it's 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 true um i can see someone like david beckham being there because he'll know christian horner through through their wives right, right. he's british and I, I and i get that but yeah people like sean mendes and 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 things like that the the worst one for me this weekend uh for miami um was james corden now British people have a different view of James Corden to American people. So he was obviously in in a, a TV series here. It was very funny. We still watch it on repeat over here. Um, then he left us, went to the States, and he was all right for the first little while. And then I think he got a bit too big for his boots. Americans still seem to really like him, but him hanging about the McLaren garage just... I will shake my head no all day. I do not like him. I do not like him. I will publicly state that I. There have been some things that he's done that I do not like. Um, Nothing major um, from what I can tell. Um, Did I like that he was around the panic? The only good thing that came out of that was the crop tops. 
Yeah, that's literally it. The only good thing that came out of him being in the paddock was the crop tops. I am blaming Lando's crash on him, and there is no one else I am blaming. <laughs> I think the McLaren boys are very distracted in Miami from very because he was there all weekend. Yeah, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Gavin and Stacey. What he was originally in over here? No, it's I don't. As far as I know, it's not available here. So, um. He his character was called Smithy, um, and obviously the title character um was called Gavin, um, and in that James Corden character called Gavin Gavlar, and he used to shout it. So in Ted's notebook, Ted shouted that at James Corden. I didn't understand that. Now I do. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. James Corden gave Ted. He's forgot where he's come from. He's forgot his roots. Yeah, I, he kind of looked confused. Yeah, mm. he's sort of, he's, I think he's trying to distance himself from it, but that's what made him, and that's what he'll always be known for in the UK. Yeah, you can't distance yourself from from what made you, and I think another person that tried to do that here was Miley Cyrus. She tried to do that with Hannah Montana, and then it went south really, really quickly. Um, she went to a really dark place. And now she's totally fully accepted it. And she's gone, listen, Hannah made me. I will always be Hannah, but Hannah will always be me, right? And so you kind of have to accept it. And I'm hoping that he'll make the same arc that she did, but not into the dark place, you know? Um, Because if you don't accept what made you and you don't appreciate it, nothing's going to happen. And it's going to it's gonna hurt you more than it's going to help you. Yeah. So speaking of, yep, Lydia, Lydia, you go. I've got I keep... six minutes before it's going to boot us off. Yeah, I've yeah. just tried to upgrade it and it won't let me do it. Zoom hates me. So talking about the actual race, what was your views on the racing on the track? Okay, track. Very, very concerned that the FIA thinks that jewelry and underwear are more important than the tech pro barrier. Very concerned. Especially because Esteban's was a 51G crash and Carlos was 47. 47? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, 47. Into a concrete wall. Max's Silverstone crash was 51 into a tire barrier. Yes, they were going faster, but the concrete wall is more dangerous. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. Safety comes first. You can worry about jewelry later. And I say that as somebody who has had to you know, comply with those rules as an athlete, no hanging jewelry. If you have studs, like you can get away with it, but it's not ideal, right? There mm-hmm. are so many more important things than jewelry and underwear. Yeah. There is uh, Lewis made his statement, Seb made his statement. I don't know if that was a statement. I feel like a lot of people think that it was a protest. Apparently, he lost a bet. Okay. So I don't know if that was a protest. I could be wrong, but what I was told by the one friend I have that works in the paddock is that it was a lost bet. I can believe both. Honestly, yeah. I could believe both, too. It's very, very possible that both is true. <laughs> I think, as a whole, with the race, it was hyped up so much, and I really enjoyed the hype. Um, I thought it was yeah the hype was great and I honestly we used that to our advantage on our social medias like I made like a whole edit for Miami and like 
I got really excited because I had family in Miami who went without me. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really hyped up. It was really, really well done. And the marketing of it was so well done. The pricing was insane. The pricing was insane. It was $1,500 for a basic grandstand seat. Ooh, that's a lot. Um, merch, the cheapest merch was Haas for 30 bucks. But once you got to like Mercedes McLaren, $130 for a hat. And then you got like the t-shirts, a basic F1 polo was 110. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Insane markup. That's insane. Oh, totally. Because if you go online, that hat's forty bucks. Yeah. Oh my god. Kate, yeah, no, it was not good. Okay. Adam, we need to buy everything before we go to Silverstone. Yeah. Yeah, I was told that too. I saw something the other day that said, you know, if you if you're going to Silverstone, like buy everything before you get there. Bring your own water. Freeze it before you go so it stays cold. You know bring snacks because food there is absolutely pricey which i could buy i could i i totally get that um it is an event venue everything in an event venue is marked up but it should not be marked up to a hundred and something percent no no way absolutely not i think with the hype of it the race was very anticlimactic very the 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 fact that things happened okay everything happened in lap nine and lap when did Lando crash? 47? Somewhere about there. So 48, 47. So it was well spread apart, but everything happened in those two laps and that is it. And I think it's because the track was meant to be a street course first and then it was meant to be a road course and it became a road course, street course, but it's not really and it's in a parking lot. And like, apparently I saw something, I saw an article this morning that McLaren was saving weight by giving them less drink because Miami's not the place to do that. Um, yeah, uh, when they got out of the car, I absolutely, I, if I could have, I would have like run up to every single one of them with a bottle of frozen water because they all looked like they were about to throw up. Yeah. Yeah. And you could see that in the cool down room mm-hmm. where Carlos had his top off and he's like, don't film me, don't film me. Obviously Charles is trying to cool himself down and then Max is being carted in. <laughs> That that was so extra. Like it made me embarrassed to be American. I hated that. Oh, <laughs> Half of the crap that happened this weekend made me embarrassed to be American. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Don't worry. Wait till Silverstone comes around. Oh, I gotta be menaces on social media when Silverstone comes around. Maybe more Lydia than me, but um, I'll be fucking you driving us there. We sat in the passenger seat. Like, look at Kate. <laughs> so final thoughts on um f1 and my uh, f1 in miami and and america and what we think of females and in motorsport in less than one minute before it yeah, off. um let's see so definitely need more women we know that they're gradually going miami was an interesting sh- mess but it was a mess and it was a successful mess. Um, tech for wearers are more important than underwear and jewelry. <laughs> That's my whole take on the weekend, basically. I agree. You summed it up perfectly. I agree. Yeah. 
yeah cool and that seems like a good place to round us off this week yeah because it's going to boot us off in 30 seconds thank you so much for joining thank you for for having me you've been very insightful (laughs) thank you for having me as someone and that is where we got cut off um because i do not pay for premium zoom so thank you for listening to the episode uh we hope you enjoyed our little special guest hannah we enjoyed having hannah and hopefully she'll be back later on in the season to share some more thoughts and everything and maybe by that point i will be paying for premium zoom but no promises here so have a good week everyone we'll speak to you again next week thank you guys bye